badquaker.com audio article for Tuesday, August 23rd, 2011 by Ben Stone. Today's audio article is a bit different. We have two small articles. The first is called The Myth of the Wise Kindly Judge. A long time ago, almost 30 years now, I had a friend named Cameron. He was a sweetheart of a guy with a great sense of humor, but in his youth he was a bit naive. He told me a story that exemplified his misplaced trust in the state as a source of truth and justice. In Cameron's story, a friend of his was coming home late one night and stopped for a red light at a totally empty intersection. The person could see no traffic in any direction, so after stopping, he carefully went through the light and continued. Of course, a patrolman was hiding behind coverage and whipped out on the street to pull him over and give him a ticket. Cameron's friend decided to go to court and try to fight the ticket. He explained to the judge that since the intersection was completely traffic-free in all directions, and since the light was there to control traffic, he felt he was safe in passing through the red light. The judge agreed and tossed the ticket and the case out. This was proof to Cameron that the justice system works. To Cameron, the state was a collection of people just like you and I, working to make things better for everyone. The judge checks the action of the cop, and if the judge misbehaves, the cop will arrest him. The state checks itself. It's all very practical. I have no reason to disbelieve Cameron's story, and I would even say many people have a story similar to Cameron's. Actually, I believe Cameron's story is a relatively common version of a myth so powerful that even if it never actually happened to anyone, the story would exist because people need to believe it so that they don't have to face what a hideous, cruel joke the American justice system has become. Back in the 1980s, when I knew Cameron, traffic enforcement, speed limits, and silly intersection rules were a major talking point among libertarians that I associated with. It was the dead horse we all took turns beating every time we spoke about liberty. The counter to our argument was always the kindly, wise judge that acted with such benevolence in passing down justice from his lofty bench. We libertarians would make the argument that it wasn't about individual results in court. It was the larger principle that had to be addressed. We would argue, there is no rightful justification for taking rules of highway behavior and enforcing them as law, when, in fact, there is no victim. That if a person violating traffic rules harms no one, there is no crime, and the police and the courts have no right to be involved. But our plea for a principle-based law was trumped as soon as the kindly judge card hit the table. We were told to be practical. This argument between practical and principle is one that has separated libertarians from the mainstream from day one even though it's purely fictitious in its argument. As the state matures, it's more and more obvious that the so-called practical solution of allowing the state to watch itself is entirely impractical and illogical. If there is no principled approach to law and the state, 
then the practical outworking will be tyranny. All of these things are perfectly obvious to us today, so you may wonder about my reason for bringing this topic up. My concern is that even at this stage in the growth of the libertarian movement, many good-hearted activists seem to hold some aspect of this kindly judge myth still in the shadows of their mind. Over and over I have seen dedicated liberty activists express hope in the possibility of the state checking itself or restraining itself. So often I've heard libertarians express shock when some state thug does something totally unacceptable and gets away with it, or surprised when the state takes a step backwards only to boldly take two steps forward towards tyranny. We should expect these things at all times, and we should never expect the kindly judge. Remember, the fact that the kindly judge myth exists means that it's the oddity and not the rule. If the kindly judge were common, it would be a story not told. After all, who tells the story of a perfectly common event where nothing odd happens? This next article I wrote in the days following the worldwide announcement that the terrorist Osama bin Laden had been killed. Lopez was a liar. When the staff of BadQuaker.com established this site, it was not for the purpose of becoming a place for news commentary. It was to be a place to explain the function of the zero-aggression principle when applied to a variety of aspects of life. So today, as I take an easy pot shot at the mainstream media, I feel a bit guilty at having brought this uncleanliness of news to BadQuaker.com. Additionally, when I first heard the news of the death of the evil terrorist last Monday morning, my first thought was that I didn't want to dignify the moment by mentioning it in casual conversation. Unfortunately, I'm unable to keep my hands clean in this matter. The hideous behavior of the state and its puppets in the media is so appalling that I have to say something. I will not go into the layers of lies fed to the American public by the U.S. government and the mainstream media puppetry. I will not dissect the story elements that are constantly shifting and changing each time the media or the state lays out the tale. There are plenty of free-thinking people on the Internet that are doing a fine job of that already. No need for my voice there. What I will do is simply tell the story of a man I once knew. I will give him some anonymity, not for his own sake, but because his family could be embarrassed by my words and I have no reason to cause them pain. I will refer to the man in my story as Lopez, because that was his name. However, there are lots of Lopezes, so it shouldn't be a problem. We worked together as part of a crew of six men in a factory in the California desert. One day, while we were all at lunch together, one member of our crew told of his adventures over the weekend. The storyteller we shall call Harley, because he was a biker. Harley told us how his old lady had left him again and how, for the last two weeks, she had not been around to do his laundry. So he loaded up all his dirty clothes, which were all the clothes he had, and headed down to the laundromat. 
As he filled the last washer, it dawned on him to take off his shirt and add it to the load so that it could get clean as well. It was a hot summer day, and nobody would think a thing about him sitting there with no shirt. After a few minutes of sitting in the hot laundromat, Harley decided it would be better to sit in the bar next door, so out he went. The problem was, the bar had a strict no-shirt, no-shoes, no-service policy. So, in desperation, Harley dug through the laundromat trash and found a little pink girl's shirt that had been discarded. He tore the sleeves and the neck out and squeezed into it and headed back to the bar. Everyone in the bar had a laugh, and the bartender even bought him his first round. It was a funny little story and may or may not have been true. Bikers like to tell stories. Here's the problem. As soon as Harley finished the story, Lopez rang in. He told almost the identical story and claimed it happened to him that very weekend, minus the part about the domestic breakup. Now, Harley's story was believable because we all knew how he lived, but Lopez had been married for close to 30 years, lived in an upscale neighborhood with a large family and an extended family that spread over the entire region. Why would he be shirtless in a laundromat, or ever go near one for that matter? So why would Lopez lie like this? Because Lopez was incapable of not lying, and he was incapable of having the spotlight on someone else. Lopez would casually lie in every conversation. Anytime he had an audience of more than three people, he had to be the constant center of attention, and he would say anything to be that center of attention. You see, Lopez had a mental problem, and he needed help. He was good at what he did on a professional level, and he was faithful to his wife and his family, so he remained functional in society. But he had no real friends, because we all knew what he was like. Lopez would have fit in the State Department perfectly. He would have been a tremendous asset to the Pentagon or to the President's staff. Because to be the kind of person it takes to live in a constant lie, passing out lies for a living, knowing you are paid by money stolen by others on your behalf, takes a person with a mental flaw. A person void of conscience is an unnatural thing. It's the sign of a serious mental deficiency. Sure, after years, a person can learn to ignore their conscience, but these people who run the state have this condition all through their lives. And for the mainstream media to continue to spread their lies without ever seriously questioning them indicates a similar mental flaw. Perhaps in a better world there will be programs to help disabled people like this that lack a conscience. Perhaps there will be hospitals with special wards for these moral derelicts. Perhaps some doctor will find a cure for the self-centered, psychotic delusions of grandeur. For more articles and podcasts on liberty, the zero-aggression principle, and property rights, go to badquaker.com, and thank you for listening.